I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to... God Culture! Game of Thrones is good. Our recap of all the seasons of Game of Thrones leading into the brand new season dropping on April the 14th slash 15th. See, I can remember now. In this show, a podcast of sorts, we're going back through each individual season of Game of Thrones, and this is season number three, or, as I'm dubbing it now, the first really, 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 really good season. Mm. Is that about right? Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll get to why. Okay, so a lot happens. Where we last we left, our intrepid group of characters was at the end of season two. And look at all the things I've written down that <laughs> happened. Joffrey's binned off Sansa because he wants to marry Marjorie Tyrell. She thinks that's great news. Oh, that's not going to no, go no. very well for a Tyrion. Reckons he's going to be killed now because they've taken the whole hand of the king. Off him, reckons him and Shay are going to be absolutely boned going forward, even though he won the Battle of the Blackwater, which mm. we touched on last time. Brienne and Jamie are on the run. Catelyn can't stop Rob from actually doing the love thing instead of doing the alliance thing. Oh, thinking with his <laughs> dick there. Uh, Daenerys has been in the House of the Undying. She's done all that, and then she kills what's his Quora, Quora, Quora. They've all got such a do, yeah. Off, yeah. <laughs> Puts him in a vault, gets her dragons back, steals all his money. Now she's rich and on the warpath. And then Theon gets betrayed by everybody. Oh, he gets to Harrenhal, and Halfhand gets killed by Jon, so we can prove he's loyal. I'm sure that's a foolproof plan <laughs> that won't come back to haunt anybody. So, probably the most interesting narrative, the most interesting story of season three, takes place for Danny, I think, because this is the first season where. She kind of goes from being like, oh, I want to rule the place and oh, look at my little baby dragons to like actually being not a warlord, but certainly this big, mm-hmm. genuine presence in Essos, like something that is actually making ways, making a difference over the mm. thing. Is this Danny's <clears throat> first real season for you two? Certainly where she, uh, yeah, like you say, she establishes herself from this would be nice, this mm. is what we want to do to oh, she should be considered a legitimate threat to the viewer. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, James, before we really start getting into this is, right at the beginning of season three, we have mm-hmm. the arrival of Sebastian Sir, Sir Selmy, yeah. who saves Danny from the warlock. The yeah. warlocks thing. and the little... Never mentioned again. Why is that never followed up on? Is that followed up just, on in the books? Or? No, it's just dropping it. Okay. Because I've completely... I'm rewatching it. I went, oh, yeah. And then went... That's net. That's it. Yeah. One attempt. Barristan stabs the thing, and she, she jumps into the sea, and then that's it. There's a little bit more in the books where the kind of some of the warlocks get kidnapped um, by one of the Greyjoys, and it kind of all connects a bit more. But it's still not really followed up on. Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to come back. Probably not. There's only six episodes left. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's not really. If, 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 really if it's the finale and like yeah. Danny's on the throne, and then a war <laughs> just. <laughs> <laughs> 
Gotcha. <laughs> well, this is sort of the season where Danny as like her presence on the show becomes really recognizable for the first time. Because obviously Jorah's been there for the whole time. But now, as you say, Barrister and Selmy mm-hmm. arrives, swears allegiance to her after they bin him off in King's Landing, yeah. which is a great scene, actually. I know that's back in season two, but where he throws his sword at the floor and says, add it to the other. Oh, that was genuinely a really good scene, that. Yeah. Mm. Slips his arm off, blah, 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 etc. But she also, this is where she gets her unsullied. Mm-hmm. She has all this money that she's taken and she agrees to buy all 8,000 of the unsullied. That's her buying herself this army. And she agrees to do it for the cost of one dragon. Oh, she also gets uh, Missande in the bargain as well. But this is also where she meets Naharis and mm-hmm. Grey Worm. Yeah. So, as introductions go, because obviously they did recast him, which was a bit weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, you're good on this. Why did they have to recast him? Is it because your um, man was in uh, Deadpool or whatever? because he was too handsome. Maybe. I, I think they just said schedule. Oh, my complex, God, it but... is. Yeah. I realised um, that a second time. Yeah. Really. Ed Scrying? Scream? Jesus. <laughs> God, it is. <laughs> you're okay, mate. No, I, I'm going to need a minute, but do carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Why did, so why did they recast him? I, don't think, I think they just had scheduling conflicts, but I guess it wasn't wow. quite working out, maybe. I think he's much better. Which one? The current one. I didn't really buy the other dude as like a master assassin. He was just like... I certainly didn't buy his hair. Yeah, he yeah. was just know, gratuitously not... handsome. Didn't re- I just, he looked like a dick to me. I quite like him intensively. Like he's a bit weirder. Like he's a bit more out there. Whereas the other one's very normal. He feels like he's very well travelled. Like he picked yeah. up lots of things, he knows lots of things, like you would be like very useful person to have at your side rather than just, Hello, I have huge deltoids and a sword. <laughs> but I won't kill you, hot babe. <laughs> it's kind of a weird narrative to go down. Like he kills his pals and then mm-hmm. refuses to kill her. I never really totally got that. Like, is that better explained in the books? Why he just suddenly swears allegiance to her instead of the second son? Well he just he likes her. He's She's hot babe. She's hot babe. <laughs> and she's like, you know, she's, clearly, she's got dragons. She's going to be the ruler. He doesn't need these other lads. Do like that bit where they try and buy Danny off. And then she goes, no, I'm still going to let all the slaves go or I'm going to still come in and kill you. And they try to get take the gold back and she goes, no, I'll be keeping the gold as well. Don't you worry about that. The dragon that, just goes, no, nah, that's mine. That scene where she uh, goes to buy the Unsullied, gives them the dragon, mm. turns out she actually can speak the language yeah. the whole time and she orders the, uh, the Unsullied to kill their masters and follow her freely. Is that... Looking back, if you look back through Danny's story, is that like the turning point where she goes from like aspirational mm-hmm. wanting to do all this to someone who genuinely can command people and genuinely can go and change the world? Yeah, I think so. I think for me, that's still Danny's best moment. Uh, just that moment where she says Dracarys. Yeah, it's best Dracarys of the, um, the show. You know, because you have her like coming out of the fire pit in season one mm-hmm. with the dragons, but that's like, she's gone in there, but she doesn't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's all just wrapped up in magic. The House of the Undying's all prophecy. This is just her choice. Mm-hmm. This is her really taking agency of her storyline for probably the first time, really. What about Grey Worm? Because if you'd asked me, going into my head, before we started recapping all this, when was Grey Worm introduced? I would have been like, season five-ish? Or <laughs> like that. I honestly couldn't believe that he was brought back in pretty much from that the episode immediately after. Yeah. She, she gets <clears throat> the Unsullied. How's, how's his narrative been for you? It feels very steady to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly, I've been, James and I have been re-watching see, you know, the more latest seasons, and yeah, it is a weird sort of progression you see, but he ascends to this position of power within the Unsullied in season three because they, they, they have to assign someone to take charge of them. And yeah, he just sort of takes on the mantle and we see him develop going on from there. Can we mention the bit that I'd forgotten about from season three where one of the Unsullied gets their nipple chops off, chopped off? Yes. Because one of the most harrowing experiences of the entire show for me, that. Chops, really? his, chops his nipple off. That's know, not bro. right. But of all the other things I was that happen, one yeah. of the most, don't get me wrong, it's certainly I mean, one of the most harrowing. Gets his nipple chopped off. Theon loses his. Yeah. 
careful. Oh, uh, that. Uh, but, yeah, all that. I granted all that, but this is so casual. All the other stuff is like, oh, okay, fair enough. This is what happens in war and stuff. This is, oh, do you want to buy these guys? They're pretty hard. Cuts a nipple off. Aye, but it's just a nipple, isn't it? I will oh, say. Oh, he's cut your nipple. <laughs> I will say, I'm, I'm with Will. I've got sensitive nipples. To the extent that it is one of the most harrowing <laughs> nipple base scenes in the entire film. Yeah, Which you could do a compelling top five, but... I mean, there's a list. You, wouldn't even be in the top five most harrowing scenes of this season? No, in uh, non-war, I think outside of war, and this is just showcasing. Yeah, outside it's of game, war, it's, it's all war. Thrones, nothing's outside of war. This isn't. This is unnecessary <laughs> nipple, nipple pain. I'm not happy about it. Any f- closing statement you want to make on the nipple scene? Don't touch my nipples. Great, and I think we'll agree with that. I don't want to get too bogged down in the whole Danny <laughs> you know, thing. That was coming as well. Whole bogged down the whole Danny thing, but yeah. the season ends with her attacking Yunkai. Mm-hmm. She kind of does it the clever way. She sends them in mm-hmm. and yeah. welcome in to kill all the slavers, blah, blah, blah. Now, it was received as slightly problematic, this closing scene, wasn't it? Where yeah. They, where the, they welcome her as their mother. The Misa scene. Oh, yes. yeah. Do, should it's, we touch on that slightly? I mean... Should we just explain, first of all, why people found it a bit... Ugh. It's tricky because the imagery is this white person being held up by all these people of colour. Yep. And I can kind of see why they did it because that is... Kind of what happens, basically. Yeah, it's, like, what happens in the book, it's, sure. it's difficult to get around it, but yeah, I can see why people thought it doesn't look great. The optics aren't. Do you know the image specifically excellent. we're talking about? I think so. so yeah. Crowd surfing yeah, across so. all the all the freed slaves, and they're all they're all they're, yeah, white savior, aren't they? Thank God, yeah. a white person has come and fixed <laughs> everything. And it's just, I remember watching it. I did miss because with catching up on it all, I'd missed the controversy mm-hmm. at the time because I didn't really watch mm. the show. And I even remember when I had that on, I just stopped and went. Ooh, I don't <laughs> know about okay? that. I mean, sure, she's not. Yep, I guess you know it's logical in terms of the yeah. story, but it's not real. You could have written that anyway. You, you could have. To. Yeah, it's yeah. It doesn't look great. It, but they, they get away with it. They did get away with it to an extent. So, so that's that is that is Danny's story. As Danny's seasons go, you said that's her greatest moment. That Dracaris. I think so. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think it's. She's got, you know, Dracarys in season two is obviously great because it's the first time you see mm. them shoot fire. But this one is, like you, you said there, in terms of the overarching story of Danny, it's her finally seizing control. You think, because you, at the time, you're thinking she's surrendering one of her three biggest assets, the three dragons. Mm-hmm. But then you realize, oh no, she's, she's worked this out in her head that she can, the moment she gets the whip, everything can change. Yeah. The dragons are never going to go with someone else. Is this her best season? Um, maybe I think this and season four, like the whole, because obviously it's really one storyline across mm. the two seasons. And I think it's the ones where she's really doing something. There's a lot of like action to our storylines in this one. She's not sitting around waiting for things to happen mm. or just or reacting to stuff happening to her. She's going and just freeing all these cities, and she's got real purpose. I is... think you probably said it best that this is where she gets agency yeah. in her own storyline rather than just like having her own mm. storyline. Yeah, I can. I think it's probably. I don't know. I'll change my mind as soon as I've recapped a couple of the other seasons, but it does definitely feel like this is this is the Danny season to mm. me. Yeah, I was rewatching season five, for example. The, the problem you have there is she's having to deal with a lot of problems. This, she's just yeah. coming up. She just goes, right, we're going to go here. We're going to get the Unsullied. Then we're going to go here and, and take over. I think there's, it's certainly a faster progression rather than thinking about, oh, well, ha- these things that happen to her and she's relying on going to these other cities. She's got all planned out where she's going to go next. Mm-hmm. It's just the next few seasons she encounters, let's just say, a few problems. Well, speaking of a few problems, there's a seamless nice. link for you. Jon Snow has a few problems Ooh. north of the wall. In fact, I'm actually going to bundle in the whole north of the wall. So okay. as well as just being Jon. So Jon finally meets 
Mance Raider, his good old pal Halfan says, I oh, kill me and they'll all trust you. So he kills him. None of them still yeah. really trust him. He meets Mance Raider, he swears loyalty, blah, blah, blah. Mance tells him he needs him to attack the wall because of what happened. They were all weakened at the. That's. That's kind of the thrust of it, isn't it? Like the the Night's Watch were weakened, with, but they got killed by all the White Walkers who wants them to attack mm. now. Yeah, and- so John's still going through this whole story, trying to get the wildlings to trust him so he can infiltrate them, etc., etc. You greet's there, he finally gets his hole, and they go on a little adventure. And Tormund's there. And Tormund, we meet Tormund for the first time. But also north of the wall is Sam's story, mm-hmm. because this is where he meets Gilly. This is where they find out about Craster's Keep. This is where they run off together. And most importantly, this is where we see the first person in the entire show kill a white walker so now it doesn't he doesn't get a lot of screen time sam in this they don't really dedicate a lot of time to it but the importance of that story feels huge to me yeah i think because in the first two seasons you have you know, the opening moment of season one and the closing moment of season two the this threat of the other kind of thing coming down you don't know what it is but they look unstoppable mm-hmm. you're like how can they deal with this the, these guys just lay waste to everything and then Sam, who is the opposite of a great warrior, kills one. And you're like, whoa. Like, That's genuinely one of my favorite moments in the entire show. That mm. when, because I had absolutely, I was like, well, that's right, he's dead. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the show's conditioned to that point to expect anybody who looks like they're going to die is almost definitely going to die. Yeah. There's, there's very few last minute miraculous saves for anybody in this mm-hmm. show. Like, you know, they killed Ned in season one. Oh, someone's going to, there's yep. going to be, nope. no, dies. Yeah. So here's Sam facing down a White Walker in the, depths of a forest with only a piece of glass he's found on the floor and lo and behold he actually managed to come it's one of my favourite moments in the whole mm. show um, but given how understated this story is with Sam and with Gilly and everything does it did it feel at the time when you watched it like it was gonna be that important I uh, no I think I think at the time certainly when the first time I watched it I thought I didn't realise the magnitude of it all but certainly having watched that and then as we mentioned going on to watch more uh, more seasons it all this is the catalyst mm. for it all. This is the only way that they can defeat the the White Walkers. So this this should be their only plan for it in terms of, you know, as you look forward in more seasons, the Dragon Glass is. Mm. You know, if, if he hadn't done that, yeah, then we they how on earth what how would they know to even take on a, an army of White Walkers? Mm-hmm. Now this is the one only time I'll probably ever say this in any video, but it would have been useful to have Simon here because this is where Tormund <laughs> is finally introduced as a yeah. character. He's another one who doesn't come in on this big, like, he doesn't feel like a huge character, I mean, physically imposing, mm. yes, but he doesn't feel like a huge, important character, but yet has become a massive consistent in the show, has become some, one of the most important, like, things they've had. Again, does, does he feel, like, the whole North of the Wall stuff, to me, feels really also happened in this season, and mm. yet so much stuff that actually happens in it, John meeting you greet, uh, John meeting Tormund, all that stuff, is really important. Did you again? Did you get the the importance of Tormund when he first came in? Um, I don't think get the importance of Tormund though, because you, you obviously don't know how long he's going to survive. I think there's parts where you could quite easily have Tormund killed off. I'm sorry, Simon, but <laughs> <laughs> um, like in season three, if Tormund had died, or in season four, if mm-hmm. Tormund had died, like we wouldn't know where that storyline's going to go. No. And you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. He's he's dead. He came in. Yeah, whatever. So I don't think you really get a sense of his importance, even though he's a great character from the off. You know, he comes in that scene, he's eating the chicken. John thinks he's man's. He's like, he's top banter straight away. <laughs> he is, but, yeah. But yeah, you don't know what he's going to go on to do. There's more, yeah, there's more interaction between John and your man from the office. I can never remember what the actor's <laughs> name is, who's the uh, war, war character. The, the, 
that that seems to be more important. They make you focus more on that because mm. he's got a feelings for um, Egret. Yeah, uh, and there's there's that tension there. It's almost like Tormund's just an also ran. Mm. I think it's fair to say. Obviously, in later seasons, it's not that's not the case. But yeah, you, I think you kind of I certainly at the time disregarded him as a character. <laughs> just almost bunched him in with all of the other wildlings mm. outside of Mance Raider. Yeah. You've brought up warging there, which is quite interesting, because this is the first season in which Bran starts to discover his abilities <laughs> to an extent. He's had these visions, he's been getting dragged around, but it's finally when in season three where he starts to become aware that he's actually got like useful powers and useful abilities, and he is introduced to the idea of warging, and that sort of comes in when John attacks the village with the rest mm-hmm. of the wildlings, oh, and they're also there. Sick. Really tense that. Yeah. We could do, we genuinely could do an entire video on all the times the Stark children so nearly ran into oh. each other at some point. Yeah. Well, so it happens more than once in, in, yeah. in this season, of course. Again, that is another thing. Did it feel like that was going to be... I'm not going to go so far as to say warging's like, it's going to save the world or anything like that, but Bran's importance as a character as the Three-Eyed Raven certainly mm-hmm. going to be huge going into the, the end game yeah. of all of this. Again, did it... There's so much happens in season three. I'd completely glossed over the warging and all the brands' mm. powers. Did you again? Did you get a, a sort of a sense of how important they were going to be in season three? Um, to an extent, but even now, I still don't think you get a full picture. Like mm. you know, like brand walks into Hordor, and oh. like you see what that means in season six, mm. but you have no idea in season three how important that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyone who claims that they knew where they were heading with the whole Hordor, Hordor thing after season because of the season three mm-hmm. first initial mm-hmm. warging. Is talking out of their ass. <laughs> they are blagging it. There's no one who could have seen that one coming in terms of how it works and yeah. control, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think you do suddenly think, oh, this could be quite a relatively important thing because of the certainly the two. What is it, jo- uh, Jojen and Mira? Yeah. Uh, the fact that they their sole quest has been mm-hmm. to find Bran. You suddenly think, oh, maybe this is going to be quite important in the in the long game. Do you think, from a storytelling perspective, they did it? Right, because season three is only based on the first half of A Storm of Swords, yeah. isn't it? Which means, obviously, a book is... I know the Game of Thrones books obviously have loads of long-running narratives, but still, within the context of a book, you do have to pay off some of the things you tease mm-hmm. at the start. Because if you're only doing the first half of the book, do you think they did enough to sort of... I mean, you know better than us because you've um, read the books. No, I think they did, yeah, because I think like this kind of natural end point almost where you can say, mm. yeah, like that's a good point to finish the season. And then nicely pick it up again, and then obviously they let him go for season five. But um, yeah, I think I think it works largely across the halls. Across the hall, thing, thing, yeah, <laughs> you know, words. It's obviously quite difficult because you've got things that will come at the end of the book which need mm-hmm. to matter more. But I think it's when you've got a TV <clears> show, you can just basically tease a lot of things for most of the episodes, and then as long as you have a big satisfying mm-hmm. set piece. Which satisfying is not the word to use. Again, we'll get onto that in a minute. You kind of can't get away with it to an extent because it still feels like something's been built up. I'll admit, when I watched season three the first time, I felt for the first time like this is a really big story now. This has got, I can see how all these pieces are totally separate but can start mm-hmm. to fit in together. I do get that, but at the same time, I remember thinking, like, just want somebody from there to fight somebody from there <laughs> for a bit because it still felt like I was watching a lot of different stories, which as yet weren't crossing over. Yeah, I assumed with the whole uh, bit with obviously John and Bran, I thought, oh, that's going to be nice, right? They're going to meet up and then we can move on from there. Not, they're just going to cross paths. And yeah. then, oh, bloody hell, I've got to keep up with even more different stories. <laughs> but yeah, it, the, the, it does slowly start start becoming less about here's a new character here's a new thing here's a new thing and finally start getting back into okay now I mean it's a long it's still a fair few seasons <laughs> off before everyone coming together for a big thing but yeah it felt like they were turning the corner of right there's not many new, newer characters that we need to introduce mm-hmm. 
before we can start. There's virtually no new characters introduced in this year. I mean, we already talked about Grey Worm and mm. everybody who comes with the Unsullied, yeah. but beyond that, there's no real major characters who appear for the first time this season. So it feels like Tormund, Mansreda. But in terms um, of long, in terms of long, yeah, um, Mansreda and the, like, the Reed, Jojen and Mira, like <laughs> certainly one of them. You think, well, they're not long for this world. So, yeah, I agree. I think after the certainly after this season, there's not many other people mm-hmm. that they're going to bring in aside yeah. from the like that is going to dramatically change things. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of dramatically changing things, we're going to have to do it now because <sighs> Rob's story's next. And from recapping this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I thought Rob was bloody brilliant season two. I think I said he was my MVP or one of mm-hmm. us did, certainly. He does, makes everything right. He comes out to be a great man, a great leader, a great warrior, a great general. You know, he's the king in the north. He's done everything right. He makes a long series of really dumb-headed decisions <laughs> in this show. He ignores his mother's advice. Is he going to anger everybody? Does it anyway. He... Are we swearing on this one? He annoys the car stock, something yeah. rotten. <laughs> that alliance starts falling apart. He goes to the funeral when he shouldn't. And then he goes, oh, I trust the phrase. We'll get an alliance there. He kind of brings it all on himself a bit in season three, doesn't he? To a, to a degree, yeah, he does. You said it a lot better than I did. I've written here, a lot of faffing for Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. Because he's so decisive and makes all these really good decisions. He outmaneuvers Jamie Lannister in a battle, which is oh, the young, the young Stark pups done that. And this scene just like he keeps getting well advised, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing I kind of got was maybe I think freeing Jamie erodes the trust he has in his mother, yeah, so he stops absolutely. listening to her. Yeah. Mm. So is it her fault? <laughs> I, th- I think that whole storyline is both of them making mistakes that you can understand like she frees Jamie and you can see why because she thinks that'll save my children mm-hmm. he marries Talisa mm-hmm. because he loves her mm-hmm. and it all kind of goes back to those twin decisions yeah. twins eh? Hey, hey, hey. hey. that's where they go yeah, yeah. completely you forgot by the way in this season the Lannister prisoners that Karstark kills mm-hmm. one of them <clears throat> is also the same actor who then later on in the season plays another Lannister kid so he gets murdered and then pops up <laughs> later on as the king again twins yeah is that was they're the twins or are they just played by two? Just, well, just, if I was writing the, the show and I'd accidentally done that, that would absolutely okay, yeah. be the light I went down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, twins. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. But yeah, I just, like you say, this we all get this. You watch Game of Thrones and these tiny decisions get made. And especially on a second watch, you go, no, don't do, yeah. do, do it. And then... It's, it's the point with Rob in this season where he's, um, he's talking about attacking Casterly Rock. And that's when he decides to bring the phrase in. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, don't do it. He's looking at the map, isn't he? Yeah. Like, if I do that, then get the phrase involved. That'll sort it all in your life. And he's like, oh. she's like, I just quick, quick, write a letter to my mum because I'm pregnant now. And I was like, oh, here we go. Stop making me feel yeah. things. They even say in the later season, um, I think it's James <clears> talking to Elena Tyrell and they're talking about like, oh, I've done the exact same thing here that Rob Stark did to me at a battle once. Me just thinking mm. someone else came here. And they're talking about Castle York, and he goes, Castle York is of absolutely no tactical importance now. People just live there. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not an mm. important place. And I was watching that back going, God, that was, Rob thought if he could take Castle York, like the traditional home of the Lannisters, mm-hmm. that would be it one. Just even if he had done it, would have been absolutely no. We just had a load of prisoners and a massive city to garrison. He just, well, he just, I'm, I'm no longer Team Rob after, after <laughs> the season. He had it all. He had it all. He was winning, and then he's absolutely. All right, we'll just have to talk. We're all just we're stalling for time here, aren't we? Yeah. Let's, let's, so, okay. Be honest. You yeah. will have known because you read the books. Mm-hmm. Me and you didn't. Nope. Did you? Because I knew about the Red Wedding. I'd, I was joining the thing late enough in the day that I was already aware that culturally there was this thing in Game yeah. of Thrones <clears throat> called the Red Wedding that was absolutely horrible and loads of people die. Thus, every wedding that had been teased or hinted at throughout the show, I'd be like, this one? No, <laughs> not this one. This was the one wedding that I didn't even, my brain didn't even go, uh, this gonna be the new. I I had the, I was ex- exactly the same thing as you. Watched all these weddings, so tense, so tense. And I think I watched this tense. And then after the wedding had happened, and they do the bedding ceremony, I was like, "Well, it's not gonna be this wedding then." And I was exactly I relaxed into it and went, "Oh, it'll be absolutely fine." On a, upon second viewing, all the things are there. Yeah. Not only in terms of the the obvious stuff that we I'm sure people have mentioned before with them locking the door and the band music, changing the music, yeah. but like rewatching it, like I think. Um, Walter Frey says something along the lines of uh, wine's going to flow. Let's, you know, yeah, let's, put this behind us. let's put all this behind us. And it's like, he says three things. I can't remember the third thing he says, but it's literally the polar opposite of what's yeah. about to happen. It's like, blood's going to flow. <laughs> We're definitely not putting all this behind us. Yeah, it's going to, it's all going to kick off. You know, the problem is, the reason me and him won't have spotted that coming, because we are A, British, and B, work on a wrestling channel right now. What do all British soaps and all wrestling weddings mm. have in common? Yeah. It's always just as the bride or the groom's about to say the thing. Anybody mm. have any reason why these two are not be joining about already? Yeah. Music hits or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. So as soon as we got past the actual wedding bit, the bit that British soaps and wrestling tell us is where the interruption comes in the <laughs> wedding. You feel safe? Mm. That's fine. Nobody's ever going to be killed at an after party. <laughs> until now. Until, well, until Hollywood <clears throat> in the 70s. But that's yes. another story entirely. Um, <laughs> I've told you this. I was When I was catching up, I used to watch it on an evening. And it got to, it was like half 11 or 20 past 11. The time I wanted to go to bed. Yeah. Right? And I was on episode eight. Right. And I was like, oh, you know what? 
I'm not tired, and it's only going to take us a little bit. I'll only, I'll only be a little bit tired in the morning. It's 45 work. minutes. What's the worst thing? <laughs> and happen? I remember thinking, like, oh, you, you, you haven't got uh, much spare time tomorrow, so it'd be better if you, you know, you, you finish the season. If you have one more episode tonight, you can finish the season tomorrow, and then you can get back onto Pester <laughs> and James to lend you the DVDs for season four when you get in on Monday. Yeah. Good thinking, Adam. I put one more on then, and I watched. I said, quite, quite, quite good this. And it was again. It was before I even had it in my head that episode nine was where stuff happened because I'd only seen two of them up mm-hmm. until this point. I was like, yeah, oh, wedding, yep, yeah, good, yeah, oh, yep, yeah, good, yeah, nice little, yeah, quite relaxing this one, quite good, yeah. What's he, why would you wear, why would you wear armour? <laughs> oh, I know, it's a war and, oh, no. <laughs> nah, door, door shuts. Door shuts. No, I'm not, no. I'm not ready for this. And my brain started going, do a quick head count, Catelyn Stark. Rob Stark, <laughs> like all like, think about every character you don't want to be brutally murdered right yeah. now, mm-hmm. but who coincidentally you also don't know for a factor in any later seasons. So yeah, that was me, and I sat there. It must have been about midnight. Bang on by the time it happened, watching it through my hands, like this is just too much. They start stabbing the this baby. The first yeah. death, shivering her in the stomach. It's not. Yeah, it's not overly pleasant. That, and we could talk for ages about what that scene means for the show, but. Everybody's talked about that a million times. Mm. What do you think that scene means for TV? Because that really felt like it was the point where, like, you've not seen anything like this. Mm. You've seen fantasy <clears> stuff, <throat> you've seen political stuff, war stuff, stuff with overlapping stories. All the raw ingredients are there. It wasn't doing anything. It wasn't reinventing the wheel Game of Thrones. But I remember thinking after that, I was like, I have never seen that in a TV show. I've never seen anything like that in a TV mm. show. Ergo, I have never seen a show like this. Was yeah. it a defining moment for Game of Thrones as a cultural phenomenon yeah i think so i think especially because you have like all those videos on youtube like all the reaction videos that came out after it like it was everywhere like before that like people were watching game of thrones it was big it was popular but it wasn't like this thing it made it yeah it made everyone sit up and take note what was it like at the day after because obviously we watched it Mm -hmm. at a later date what was it like? Say what the day after was like for me. What? I come in here and just was like a bit trembly and everyone was like, you're right. I was like, a bit jumpy. It's like, God, I've just got a red <laughs> wedding. And everyone was like, oh. Yeah. yeah. What was that like at the time? Well, yeah, there's that thing of like those reaction videos and like, everyone's just like in this state of shock because it's like, what has happened? Mm. Like, Where oh do you my go from God, here like, almost? Is this the story done? Like, surely Rob was the king and... There's like this disbelief and horror because it, like, it's so well done. Mm. Like, it's just this visceral reaction you have to it. And like when they put like Poor Grey Wind. Poor Grey Wind. I've it's met that dog. He's all right, though. I oh, that dog, he's all right. And no, another, but... another, but another case here of... He got better. Um, <laughs> he grew his own back. Cross, uh, stories almost crossing paths again, because obviously Aya and the Hound are trying yeah. to sneak into yeah. there. <clears throat> he's gone there for that exact reason, and they turn up to see all the guards outside getting butchered, and then obviously the Hound has to carry her off because yeah. she wants to try and get in and see it, but it's... Oh, and that was the point when they she sees him, her brother being brought outside with the head on a yep. stick, and oh, yep. God, it's yeah, it's, it's there's a lot. There's a lot going on with it. I don't yeah. really. I, I mean, there's not really much more we can say about the red wedding that hasn't been said a million times. But I will say that TV shows tend to get popular. There's always you know mm-hmm. the season when it, it comes back after the season break, and it's now way more popular than it was at the start, and it becomes a different show. Yeah, like I was to Andy about the thick of it. The thing of it was like a real low-key success, really funny. Then it got, it sort of blew up between seasons. Then when they brought it back, it wasn't mm-hmm. as good. And that tends to happen to shows. This was, the, season three was the season where they'd had the huge increase in popularity and thus the budgets went up massively. And this should have been the season where it came back and it was a bit iffy, mm-hmm. it was a bit off, <clears throat> like it was a bit too polished, a bit too thingy. 
and they did the Red Wedding. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how many TV shows can really claim to have... And arguably, what you say there, they could they could easily... I mean, obviously, it's different because it's been written in the books and what have you, but in a classic TV show, you wouldn't get rid of Rob or Catelyn or whatever because yeah. they're the key characters and you mm-hmm. go, well, stick around, see what happens then the next season, not, right, um, all these major characters, dead, 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 yeah. dead, dead, in a single episode with no foreshadow. Well, there is foreshadowing. There's mm-hmm. Lord Bolton obviously sending Jamie back to King's Landing. Yeah. Aside from that. <clears throat> Have they topped that in terms of a mo? Is it still the moment of Game of Thrones? Yeah, for me, yeah. I can't think of a, you know, there's moment, there's, Slight wins for us mm-hmm. that come in later seasons, but in terms of a, like you say, affecting your mood for such a long period of time, I was shocked when Ned died, but that's one death. This is not only the key characters, but the driving force behind our story of Rob and Rob's army. All right, maybe yeah. they've lost some people throughout, along the way, but this is going to build and build and build to Rob's army versus the Lannister army. And then that's done in the space of what, 20 minutes? Yep. Uh Speaking of done in the space of 20 minutes, we've done all this in the space of 20 minutes. We're going to try and wrap the rest of it up. Um, King's Landing, a lot goes a lot goes on here without any of it feeling like a big part of the season. It's all kind of like little bits of manoeuvring, pieces getting put in place. Like As we said, Joffrey has decided he's not going to marry Sansa anymore. He wants to marry Marjorie because it's, well, she's, I mean, hotter, let's face yep. it. You know what I mean? Um, oh, no arguments from me. Why not? Got a big thing for Natalie Dorman. Really? Yeah. I swear she had an undercut, so that's pretty much just... Yeah, that's me baited in. Anyway, so she thinks <laughs> Sansa's like, "Oh, this is going to be brilliant. I'm free of this horrible, wicked man. I'm going to marry. I'm going to. I'm going to go, and I'm going to going to go and marry this dreamy prince instead." And then Tywin just basically yeah. <clears throat> just takes a great big crap on everything from a height. He decides that Cersei is going to marry Lorsa. He decides that Tyrion's going to marry Sansa, and he makes them do all this <clears throat> for the family. <clears throat> and he talks them all down. And when I was going back through this, really quiet season for Cersei. A yeah. very un because Jamie's not there, so they can't do that kind of sparring thing. She's kind of very much takes a backseat mm-hmm. now. Now Tywin's back, doesn't reach. She's just very much a quite concerned mother. Yeah, it's it. the first time you really see her as just solely as a mother yeah. character, and she's just yeah. losing, not losing power, but she's surrendering power, like you say, um, and and and, then, and he's enjoying the misfortune of uh, Tyrion until it is then. Brought Turn upon this her. fortune as well. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't know what you're laughing at. You're going to have to marry Sir Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a quote pillow biter, as Elena Tyrell calls him. Classic. Yep. Good old, good yep. old, good throwback. Love Elena Tyrell. My, probably one of my favourite characters in this. She has a good season here. Again, without all the King's Landing stuff, doesn't feel monumental or big. It doesn't because re- there's no. I mean, nothing. There's not any one individual. Well, Go there's, on. there's something I can't believe he hasn't brought up, which is Pod. My man, my man, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, I, I, for me, he's been in it from the beginning in my heart. Yeah. But yeah, Pod, this, this is his magic, uh, his magic dick, his magic dick moment. I've, do you know what? There's so much to go through. I've <clears> even got like a big rundown of all the random stuff that happens. I haven't even got Pod in this. Just love oh. it. There's just that much else to go. If you want, the floor's yours for a minute. If you want to talk about Pod, I just think he's a you know prior to this. He, well, he isn't a low key character. He effectively saves Tyrion. Um, Seriously, yeah, he's just a yeah. hero. Isn't he? He's a hero. But then this. I just love it because it's it's such a, a weird nothing story of just like you think oh well done here's a reward for uh, for your you know saving Tyrion at the Battle of Blackwater oh thank you very much okay and you just think well that's a nice little gesture anyway on with the story back he comes plonks the money back <laughs> on the desk what's happened here then <laughs> and then he's so casual about it no they just didn't want me to pay him after all that and then obviously Bronn and Tyrion are like sit down we're having some wine we're having this out and I think you know. You can't help but fall in love with him after because he's yeah. so 
he's modest about it all, I suppose that's the, the thing about it, which, let's be honest, none of us would be no, if we were pods. Um, back to the King's Landing stuff. Is Sansa <clears throat> the unluckiest person in the world? She gets the briefest little yes. glimpse of happiness, <laughs> thinks she's going to be saved from all this, and then, no. As football fans, we can all agree, it's the hope that kills it is you. The it is the hope that kills, that kills you. you. <laughs> and the joy when it's like, oh, Cersei's here, she can marry that monster, even though she just warned the Tyrells of, by yeah. the way, he is an awful human being. And she thinks it's going to be okay. And then obviously, not only uh, did, did she, you know, uh, Littlefinger offers to take her away mm. and she says, no, no, don't worry, I've got it all sorted. I'm going to be best mates with uh, the Queen. I'm going to marry her brother. Gonna pick flowers all day. Is she a sympathetic character? Because she is presented as simultaneously very unfortunate, but also absolutely pathetic. Who sounds it? Yes. Only in yeah, only in later seasons does this inform her character. At the time, it does feel like she's just wandering from disappointment to disappointment mm. with no redeeming ability even about how she can possibly... She just sort of has to take it all. Yeah. Um, I was saying before, this does feel like Ty- very much one of Tywin's big seasons. He pretty much mm-hmm. takes control of yeah. like, King's Landing. <clears throat> and despite not being the king, he's effectively you know, puppeting Joffrey. One scene in this, which in hindsight feels like a really weird character moment, very out of step with how good he is. Just the dragons. Yeah, thing. Joffrey approaches him and says, what's all this about there being a Lannister girl with three dragons overseas? And he's like... What what are you coming to me with this for? Like it's not a thing at all. Dragons are dragons are absolutely nothing, and she's just one puny girl on the other side of the world. They've got nothing to worry about whatsoever. And Joffrey's like, well, no. What if the dragons get big? What <laughs> if she comes over here with loads of dragons? And Tywin's just so dismissive of it. Is that is there more to that than I'm reading into it? Because it just feels like a really incongruous character misstep for me. I think it's. I've got no idea what incongruous means, by the way. <laughs> no, what, what, Sounds good. Is it good? Yeah. I mean, like, inconsistent, I think, is what I meant. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll go with that. I think it shows, like, kind of the whole approach that everyone in Westeros has to the idea of dragons, because dragons have been dead for so long. Mm-hmm. It tells that, the story, doesn't it, about the big head yeah, heads. Yeah, and, and that's it. The like, sides of a carriage. Like, yeah. no one can possibly believe that these dragons are real or mm. that they're going to be a threat. It's like this whole other thing, and I think that kind of plays out across Danny's arc, really. And certainly, like, almost every leader's arc, every you know dominant character's arc, they make one big mistake. Yeah. As we mentioned there with Rob, <laughs> his was not locking the door when he went for it. Yes, indeed. Um, but the, yeah, the, the 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 dismissal of that, and obviously later on going forward with Joffrey, the the feeling, the sense of that he's just untouchable. That definitely comes back to bite him on the arse in in later really? seasons. Really, yeah. because he got his bob out. Um, <laughs> Gonna, we're short of time, so I'm going to quickly go through some of the other things that are going on this season, get your brief thoughts on them, whether or not they worked as stories, whether or not you enjoyed them, what, you, what your best memories were of them. This is a hospital pass of presenting podcast techniques, but you're just going to have to take it. Uh, Arya, Hoppie and Gendry meet the Brotherhood. Oh, I really like them. I really liked it. And obviously you have the the, the fight with uh, Beric and Thoris, uh, Thoris bringing him back mm-hmm. from the dead and the sword being on yeah. fire. I loved everything about that. There's so much in this season. I haven't mentioned the fact that, you know, he gets cut in half down the face and then comes back to life because mm. the Lord of Light and Dennis Pennis, your spiritual king, <laughs> decide okay, that's yes. what they want. Arya then gets away with the hound. Well, she escapes and then he captures us and to start the whole Arya mm-hmm. and the Hound story. It's not as good here as it is. Obviously, the Arya and the Hound story is like one of that's, the best narratives. Yeah. Is it is it as good in three? Um, not as, quite, but it's building. Yeah. And, uh, it's established, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Brienne and Jamie finally make it back to King's Annie and we get what I'm pretty sure is your favourite scene in the whole season. 
Jamie in the Bath. Yeah, talking about. I, I wish this wasn't brief thoughts because I know. But I, I do a whole podcast on that scene, that episode. Actually, well, go on. why is that scene so good? For yours, I'll give you a minute. Go on. Okay, um, I think it's because it's that's the first scene because Jamie's lost his hand by that point, but he's still he's still a bad guy, really. Mm. But we're starting to feel sorry for him, and that's the scene where you really understand his character, and that character is so great in Game of Thrones because it shows how great everyone is. And you think he's this villain, you think he's this awful person who killed his king and betrayed the person he was just wanting to protect. And no, he did it to save everybody, and yet he's still the bad guy. Oh, and and in season one, he's this so smarmy, awful, like, stereotypical, like, silver-spooned yeah. prince who's quite good with a sword, who is fighting the noble Ned Stark and is banging his own sister. Like, there's no mm. redeemable qualities no. about no. him whatsoever. But then you get this, and you're like... Oh my god! Like, but it's not even—it's not even—it's not even incongruous, is it? Like, it's just, it just—it fits with. <laughs> I still don't know what that means. Like, it's not like they just ripped up the character no, and like, oh, because it would have been—it would have been jarring. Been like, that's not what Jamie yeah, done. But, but it still fits with it so absolutely. perfectly. Yeah, yeah. and it's—they've it, it, built to that. I was, we were chatting about this before we came in here. Guess his hand bloody yeah, cut off. His yeah. hand. Uh, just uh, that came out of, like, I mean, you talk about the Red Wedding, that just comes out of nowhere. Obviously, yeah. you, they meet Locke and you think, oh, here we bloody go. Lannisters yet again <clears> getting their own way. And then you realise, oh, no, Locke's not working for him. And then, obviously, they go off to rape Brienne. And that's, mm-hmm. that's another part of Going Jamie's, Jamie's it, yeah. character. Of um, yeah, he, he explains about the sapphires to convince mm-hmm. Locke not to do that to her. And then gets his hand chopped off. And then, obviously, the bath scene. And then, yeah, he, he leaves. He goes to go to King, King's Landing and then enforces his his army to go back for her, where she's fighting a, a bear. bear. Yeah. yeah. That, that With is... a wooden sword, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, not Put fair, it... that. Bear, was it Bear in the Maiden Fair? Yeah. A team name that certainly doesn't haunt you from a, oh, no. from a quiz once hosted on the What Culture Main channel. Dig that one out if you've got five minutes. Uh, we also have, an, uh, the Theon and Reek stuff happens in this season. Yeah. Like how could, there's so much to go through in season three. Like Theon is men betray him when they're trying to convince him to defend Winterfell. They sell him out to the Boltons. He finds himself getting tortured. Then this no stranger comes to rescue him and lets him go, and then just hunts him for sport, yeah. drags him back, cuts his dick it's off. It's horrible, isn't it? It is absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, not as bad as like losing a nipple. But no, yeah. obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's there's different levels. Yeah. yeah. No, also the, the the Theon dick cut off stuff. We were, I was talking about it with some friends over the weekend and. It's not just. It's not just the fact he gets. What? Yeah. Yeah. We hey lads. Hey lads. Remember that time? Because <laughs> a friend of mine is just watching Game of Thrones right. for the first time. A friend of mine has just had his dick. And off. he said, "Oh, he said, oh, that Bolton. That's not very nice, is he?" And I went, "You, you haven't even scratched the surface yet of Ramsay." Yeah. I know Joffrey hasn't got much longer to go in the show, but obviously he was <clears> sort of established as the purest just unredeemable evil mm-hmm. in season three. I mean, the stuff we haven't even gone into this. He starts, you know, shooting yeah. bow and arrows and whatnot. The way he wants to talk, he tells he wants Rob Stark's head to serve to Sansa. Mm. Is there any possibility whatsoever that Ramsay comes in at a higher level of dickheadness than Joffrey was ever on? Or is Joffrey still... No, I think Ramsay yeah, beats him maybe. for me. I mean, not in this season, obviously. But eventually, but I don't know if he comes in. I, th- I think, I think long, t- I think long term Ramsey is. Yeah. But I mean, like in season three, did you ever get the impression he would be the worst one? I think you, you, he had room to grow, certainly. He but but it doesn't feel as important to the plot yeah. at that stage, which he is just, why yeah, it's maybe he's... not as bad. Because, but you know, I need to cut Theon's dick off. I hate to bring you back to this again, by the way. He cuts Theon, Theon's dick off just as he's about to get his end away. I forgot yeah, about yeah, that completely. I just thought oh, he yeah, just yeah. lopped it off. Not bring two girls in. Blow a blow a horn and then go right. Now it's it's biggest. Let's have it on. The way they presented it, I had no sympathy for Theon whatsoever. I was like, look, yeah, just run. 
Like, just go. I don't care if you're about to get your hole. Like, just get out of there. No, I'll just, I'll just, I'll stay for a blowy first. Like, I've just been, <laughs> I've just been captured twice, and I've been like, there's some sick game going on like, here. Nails obviously. pulled down, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? Oh, I've just been, these two lasses just let me go. Do, should I just run out of here? N- no, no. I think, no. I think I'll squeeze her bum a bit first, and then. Love the way, by the way, the way they do it, where it cuts back and he's eating a sausage. Mm. Genuinely. What this? No, no, pork sausage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and last but by no means, is one tiny bit that I missed the first time watching it around. Mm-hmm. You won't have, because you're good at this, but Stannis throws the three leeches into the fire. Yeah. Obviously, he gets Melisandre to go get Gendry because he's got King's blood in him, and they... Again, another one, another one thinks he's about to get his hole and then gets a load of leeches taken off him. I don't get Could why... Could have been worse for him. I don't get why... Ne- I know we obviously would have got the blood pumping a bit, but... That didn't. That's. I think she's indulged herself a bit there. She's basically on holiday in that scene. Those leeches into the fire yeah. for the three surfers. Rob Stark, Joffrey. I can't remember the name of the third one. <laughs> Bill and Greyjoy. Yeah, there you go. And none of them last yeah. all that long from then on, yeah. do they? There's a great moment where he, I think it's immediately after he says Joffrey, and it cuts to Joffrey, and he's at. I think he's at Tyrion and Sansa's wedding, drinking. Oh, we should do ten. We should do temporarily bits of foreshadowing, given that we have got a well, whole channel full of content. <laughs> well, now we've foreshadowed it. Really? So, oh, it's quite good that. Finally, the White Walkers. Not a massive season for them again, but obviously we do see one get killed mm-hmm. again. They don't feel <clears> like the biggest threat in the world at no. this point. But do they feel bigger than last season? I don't know if they do, because in season two, you have that ending with them mm. all coming down and massacring the Night's Watch. This, you just get the one killed by Sam. And, and maybe the one sacrifice the baby to. Yeah, maybe that's more important, in a sense, of we f- figure out how to kill them. And it's it's just constantly reminding you that they're there, mm. I think. Yeah, I, I, it's not as ominous. It's just a quick reminder, as opposed to... like It's, it, it's, it's akin to... I suppose season one where they go, don't forget about this, yeah. but they don't, they, they sort of make you think the infighting between all that, which obviously as we mentioned a million mm-hmm. times in, in the grand scheme of things makes no difference. Whoever sat on the Iron Throne by the time the White Walkers get there. But here, yeah, they make you focus more on that and then occasionally say, oh, by the way, the White Walkers are coming and you should probably be concerned. Yeah. Any final points on season three of Game of Thrones? Because I think I've just about covered everything. Even if somebody that hasn't had the depth it deserved, <laughs> mm. is that pretty much Everything of note. I think so. Egret uh, shooting, being so good at shooting John, she doesn't kill, kill him. him. With that three was arrows. Yeah, that, Egret and John's storyline. Maybe we haven't touched on that enough because I love their relationship. Well, go on quickly in, clo- uh, in closing. Why is it so good? Uh, they're just the best, aren't they? They love each other so much. The it's best like star-crossed love- lovers. It's I, can, I can agree with that actually. Best love and story. They go in, in the cave. In it's like, Game oh. of Thrones. You reckon? Best love story hmm. in Game of Thrones. Ooh. Is that a contender for, for me? Yeah. Um, just ahead of probably Masandi and Grey Worm. Oh, yeah. And Sam and Gilly's really good as well. Yeah. But, there's a lot, a lot of nice little stories. John, John and Egret is the one where I really feel like passion. Yeah. Well, <sighs> I'm sure that'll all work out well in season four, which we'll touch <laughs> I on. I can't wait. Oh, Ollie. Oh, God, I can't. I'm going to get angry. <clears throat> well, we'll touch on all of that in our next video on this subject, which will be rounding up season four. When will that be out? Glad you asked. We don't know. But in the meantime, thank you very much for watching. Of course, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. This is the brand new What Culture Game of Thrones channel. Tell all your friends. I'm not even joking. Tell them all. <laughs> even if you've not spoken to them in a while, this is a great chance for you to reconnect. Anyway, been joined here by Adam Wilborn. So goodbye, Adam Wilborn. Bye-bye. And James Hunt. So goodbye, James Hunt. Goodbye. I've been Adam Cleary. Until next time, we'll see you. What's a good Game of Thrones sign-off we can do? What's something cheesy in the law? We send our regards. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah.
Yeah, the what culture yeah, send their regards. <laughs> Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.